he just had one of his homies like with a like a plastic cup with gasoline just like ducking under the camera just throwing gasoline on the fire so it'll just like erupt and we're just like trying not to get like our eyebrows burnt off and shit You know, back in the day, we used to have drummer boys who used to walk into battle playing the most hardest beats and shit. That just sounds sick. A soundtrack to die to. I'm just down to just fucking chat. Okay. Yeah, that's. I'm down to fucking chat as well. <laughs> this is good. I got the tea ready. I'm ready. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scoped Exposure podcast. We go from Calgary down to Florida. Um, we got lots of different Florida uh, Scoped Exposure connections, and now we got a new one. I'm super excited to be welcoming the vocalist of Minefield, Nick, onto the podcast today. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. I'm I'm excited as well. Um, Minefield came onto my radar with uh, your guys' newest release that just came out. Like, um, I guess it would been was it this past month that it it dropped? Um, I'm, I'm, June twenty fifth. June twenty fifth. So as as far as the time of the recording, this we're a few weeks after that. Um, so we're kind of still in that cycle. But um, the the single that you guys did for the final storm off of that was like at least my first um, you know uh, exposure. Uh, pun intended to that and um yeah i was like really love the music i feel like it's got a blend of all the things i love personally about heavy music and um you know we we've been chatting back and forth and now we're here to to rock a pod together so i'm excited me too man i'm excited about it yeah that that's uh the final storm song that was right when we wrote that song we were like this is gonna be the single (laughs) immediately we, we just knew it yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I got a couple questions on on that song specifically, and, and some others for the record. But um, um, before we get into all the music chats, as you know, Nick, we like to check some bevs. Uh, you know, so <laughs> I'm I'm saying that as your mid swig. So tell the people at home what you're going to be uh, sipping on for the episode. So today I have my favorite kind of tea, which is peace tea. Nice. And this Very is the nice. green tea flavor. I usually prefer the snowberry or the Georgia peach one, because those are very flavorful. Got you. Okay. But this is all I had left in my fridge, so I gotta get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna go one do. way or another. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. I've had it in my fridge for a while, and it's my least favorite flavor. But I mean, it's still good, though. I'm not saying it's bad. Right. What is it about Peace Tea specifically as a brand that like catches your eye or you know taste buds specifically? I think because uh, it was whenever we were on tour in like 2017. It's our first tour with Incited, and I remember going to a gas station and seeing one of these, but it was the Snowberry one, and it's like a teal color instead, so that caught my eye, and I was like, what the fuck is a Snowberry? (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, let me try this shit, and when I drank it, I was like, this is actually really fucking good, and Mm then I found out they had other flavors, and then from there on out, I just fucking dove into it. Nice, and uh, as far as like tea relation, is it like a caffeinated thing um or is it like uh, i'm sure the green tea has, it, has its own you know sense of caffeine levels i'm not a huge caffeine fan myself mm, because okay. it just makes my heart palpitate gives me fucking anxiety 
So, I mean, like, just having, like, some green tea, it's, like, caffeine, but, like, it's, not, it's like, gentle fucking extreme level. Absolutely. Uh, like, yeah. if I have, like, a Red Bull or a Bang on an empty stomach, I'm going to have a panic <laughs> attack. <laughs> right. Um, I, you know, quick sidebar, I was I was just having flashbacks to when uh, Laramie, who's the vocalist of Giveaway out of Oklahoma, she was mentioning, like, she had never had energy drinks or anything, and then she uh, drank a Bang in one go at, like, some festival, and she, like, pretty sure. much almost had a heart attack, so. <laughs> That's how it feels, dude. I hate it. It's like. <laughs> If it wasn't such a strong like caffeine, then like I could probably do it. Like just half in the caffeine milligrams, and I right. could probably do it. Yeah, but like three, four hundred, I'm like, I can't do this shit. Dude. Yeah, that's why I think like Red Bull, I think, is the um, the energy drink of choice because there are certain ones that are you know like a sugar free, so it's not as crazy. Yeah, um, and it's in that eight ounce versus like a you know a 12 16 or 20 yes or at least get them in like the little tiny red bull sizes then i can like handle that Mm -hmm. because like i do like i do fuck with red bull sometimes but only (laughs) when we're like on tour most of the time because i have to stay awake to drive right but i mean if they had the smaller cans man i'd be i'd be all over it right yeah so maybe there's like the mini pepsis but like red bull eventually in the future We'll we'll have to wait and see um i hope so yeah, uh, as as long as for me, I think we're kind of sticking with the tea um, kind of vibe. So I got some chai tea mix Ooh. that uh, from our Bev sponsor, Say When. So um, this is like my go-to thing in the summer when it's like 30 degrees Celsius here, which I think for Fahrenheit is like around 90, 95. It's like a nice hot summer day. So uh, okay. this is just like a one-to-one mix. So it's like my very lazy like summertime i need again a little bit of caffeine because like the the whole dirty aspect of this is um it's like got notes Mm -hmm. of coffee and things like that so half of the mix and then we got some oat milk we pour this sucker and i just love doing it while i'm you know mid-episode to show how easy (laughs) it is to to get it all ready to go all in one thing i'm i'm also you know chai tea yeah, so so it's a dirty chai. So the espresso and the coffee aspects makes it like dirty is what it's called. So not a lot. Like sometimes I've been traveling for shows or for festivals and like I'll go to certain coffee places and they have no idea what dirty means when it comes to like, you know, uh, a chai. So yeah, like some people are aware and some people aren't. So it's like when we go up north and we ask for sweet tea and they look at us like, the fuck are y'all talking right, about? Right, 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 yeah. <laughs> I remember when... um when Andrew from Iang came on the podcast and he was just like, that's if there's one thing he doesn't like about touring, it's that sweet tea isn't readily available for all the places nope. that that band would tour to. So you got to order some regular ass tea and just pour a couple of sugar packets in it. If you want it that bad. Right. Is there like, um, sorry, we're, you know, to all the listeners that are like, I want to hear the talks about breakdowns. I'm like, no, no, we're going to talk about teas and all this. Um, but is there like certain like local sweet tea brands or is it like, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a world of that of its own. I'm just, I'm just kind of curious since we're on this subject. Teas. I don't, not, not that I know there probably is somewhere in Jacksonville, but Jacksonville's mostly like bars and like coffee shops, gotcha. stuff like that. And we don't, not really a big like market for tea, I guess you could say mm-hmm. down here. I don't know why, cause tea's fucking awesome, but <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think there is any kind of local one here that i know of mm. well if if you know of a local or like a small run sweet tea like company 
comment it on the video or you know send a dm to nick or i and we'll uh we'll get educated on that front but uh without further ado cheers to you my friend really excited to be doing this podcast with you cheers. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good time when we do an official cheers through the zoom call right i'm glad you did this shit because this is like you started doing this whenever covid started right um yes and no so like the podcast, you know, a little quick his history lesson, and then we're going to get to Nick chats. But um, <laughs> the, the podcast started, um, we started recording episodes in the summer of 2019. And then we debuted the, the actual podcast uh, in the, at the very, like, November 2019. So we had, like, some episodes that we were kind of going out. It was out. a warm-up. Yeah, yeah, kind of like, you know, just kind of finding our footing. Uh, at the time, we were just doing in-person stuff with, like, people here in Calgary um, and just, like, friends of mine. And then when the pandemic hit, it was, like, again, that unknown of, like, how long that was going to last. All my live show yeah. content, like, ran out. And then it was, like, okay, I think I just need to double down on the podcast and do it through Zoom because it was either do more or stop. And I know yeah. that if I was going to stop, like, a, we probably wouldn't have met, you know, because there's all these nope. new connections that I've made through, you know, growing this uh, this brand. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild. I think when, you know, as the world is starting to open up, I do want to start, you know, um, experimenting with doing things in person. But like, I'm not going to close the door on like being able to do it through this means because it's allowed me to connect to whoever I want to in the in the hardcore world. Like if uh, like people come through on tour or something, then that's like an in-person opportunity you could do. But like this, you could do this anytime you want, basically, whenever people are free, obviously. But mm -hmm. yeah, like I think, um, you know, even when people are coming through tour, like there's almost like such a small window of time where they might have a free hour or two hours to like sit down yeah. and, and do something like that. So um, it it's already starting to get a little interesting on like, you know, I, I'm messaging someone from a, a pretty big uh, staple hardcore band. I, I'm not going to um, I, I won't tease it until like I have it recorded because <laughs> who knows how long it could uh, keep going along for. But um, I'm like, yeah, can you do this Saturday? And he's like, I'm playing shows. And I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> People are starting to do that again. So oh, normal things again. True, true. Right, right. So it's going to be interesting when I reach out to X person in some band and they say um, super down to do it. But I'm on tour for the next three months. I'm like. All right, so like book that person way, way out. So yeah, yep. it's um again, it's just um it's the same thing with the, the start of the pandemic. It's just kind of adapting um and, and you know, being able to build the show um just you know, with all the, the changing times that are happening. Fucking COVID, man. <laughs> Fucking COVID. Right. Um so so Nick, I I don't know how much uh, of the show that you got to listen to kind of prior to, to coming on, but uh any new guests that I always bring on, I'd like to get a little bit of context about how they got into heavy music. So take me back in time and tell me some of those formative moments and, and records for you, because I feel like that yeah. <laughs> you know really sets the stage for everything else that we're gonna talk about. See me, I wasn't like my first genre wasn't like hardcore. I was big into like well, first it started off with just like Lincoln Park, Slipknot, just over down. And then it kind of grew from there. And then I really started getting into like Bull for My Valentine, mm -hmm. fucking Kill Switch, mm -hmm. uh, Hate Breed, of course. Mm -hmm. It Dies Today is another favorite band of mine. Yep. Just, you know, like older, 
metalcore slash like deathcore. I used to be, I used to love deathcore. I ain't even gonna front. I used to <laughs> fucking love that shit. I still do to an extent, but um, yeah, back then I really went from hard from, sorry, <laughs> I went from Lincoln Park and stuff like that to early metalcore, like both my Valentine to deathcore, and then probably around like two thousand eight. 2008, 2009, when I first started listening to hardcore, because there was like an actual hardcore fest in Jackson that had Rotting Out, Arms Way, mm. um, the Red Baron, just a bunch of older, not older, but like the Red Baron's older, but like Rotting Out, Harm's Way. There was one other band that played it. That I can't remember what the fuck it was, but it was another like really influential hardcore band for right. me at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's what really kind of steered me more in that direction of getting more like thrash and like hardcore just like faster stuff yeah yeah it, it's bring it's interesting that you bring up harm's way because like it was just a couple days ago again as far as the time of recording this that like harm's way's isolation like had its like 10 year anniversary so Ten you know years. like you were saying like you know they got stuff like a couple things beforehand but it's like that record in my opinion, was one of those like, okay, now a lot of people are paying attention to this band. So, you know, oh, wait, it was fucking foundation. I saw at that same fest. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so... I was around the time that when the smoke clears was coming out. Mm, okay. And so I heard that band and I was like, this band's still heavy, but like they, they aren't like deathcore. I'm like, fuck is this? <laughs> right. And then like, that's what started. I remember I bought when the smoke clears that day and I listened to it on the way home and I was like, it's fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Like 2008, 2009 is when I got into like actual like hardcore and like thrash and punk and stuff like that. Yeah. But aside from that, like heavier music, I was starting in like seventh, eighth grade. Yeah, it's pretty wild that like um, you know, the the rise, you know, the the rise and pop of the new metal, but like era. Um, mm-hmm. and just like, you know, like you were mentioning the, the biscuits and the, the disturbs and the Lincoln parks, like that put on so many new people just into the heavy world. Um, and just like, mm-hmm. you know, um, just intriguing people like, Oh, like what else is there? And then I was kind of the same as you, like end of heartache was like on repeat for me, a lot of high school and mm-hmm. like bullet for my Valentine's another great one as well. Um, but then it was like. I, I think I like I didn't latch on to like punk and some of that as much as I do now because like um I wanted that like heaviness that like a lot of those bands like brought to the brought to the table. Yeah. And I was like, this is just lacking in like beefiness and like the tone, but also in the vocals and it just like it didn't resonate with me at the time. And then it was like finding that middle ground of like um like I think one of the first actual like um bridge bands into the hardcore world for me was like trapped under ice because i was like okay these bands are like yeah have like a heaviness to them but like it's definitely punk but there's also like some like hip-hop kind of influence there as well just in the street vibes to it street vibes absolutely so yeah I, i think in anyone's music heavy music journey you need like those jumping off points to kind of connect the overall like hardcore heavy music spider web that exists that genre spider web that exists like you're saying yeah 
Yeah. And uh, when you were finding out about those bands, was it largely through like um, like your friends at uh, at school or like were you, you know, seeing music videos on YouTube? Like tell me about like how you were actually discovering some of those uh, initial points. First off, I remember hearing uh, <laughs> I remember hearing um, I think it was Hand of Blood by both my Valentine and a fucking Need for Speed game. <laughs> okay. Same with Static X. I heard that in the same game and I was mm. like shit's fucking tight and like and like i started delving into that and it wasn't at the time i was just itunes and myspace mm-hmm. so like and then like i was very sheltered as a kid so limewire wasn't a thing for me because my parents would have whooped my fucking ass <laughs> <laughs> so i couldn't do limewire so i actually yeah. had to pay for music and shit like cds but i mean the actual first cd i ever bought i think i was like 12 and it was 50 cent get richard die trying oh nice that was my actual first CD, which was the, the fact that the cashier let me buy it. I'm just like, okay. Right. Yeah, it's it, it's it's weird that there's not the same, um, I guess, like, there's not any barriers. Like, uh, for me growing up, I was, like, big on video games. I found out about a lot of, like, heavier music through games like Tony Hawk or even through, like, the, like, I played a lot of the Halos, like, religiously. So even, like, hearing, like, Breaking Benjamin or, like, Hoobastank, it's like, oh, yeah. oh like... What's guitar music, you know? Dude, and, um, Breaking Benjamin. Yeah. That's, Diary uh, of Jane. Woo! It's, it's a killer record. I, I feel like that band doesn't get enough credit. And and what's crazy, sorry, little Halo sidebar. Um, I've listened to podcasts and interviews of, why am I blanking on this great man's name? Um, uh, Mar- Is it Marty O'Donnell? Yeah, yeah. He did the all like the soundtracks for the Halos. And... Um, I remember he was talking in this interview that he was pitching like the whole like Microsoft team. Like, yeah, like this is the direction that we're going for Halo 2. It's got Steve Vai, who's going to come and do the, all this guitar stuff. And he said so many of like the big wig Microsoft people were like, um, we, we're not into this. Like, can we take out the guitars? Like, you know, and then he pretty much said fuck off and, you know, they did it anyway. And it was like a Good. hit. So you know that that's you know quick little fun fact for the episode because i'm such a halo geek um till i die um but like you were saying like breaking benjamin was one of those bands that collaborated with um with uh bungie at the time and i think they don't get enough credit for like having kids be like like shooting covenant elites and be like yeah and just having guitars like ringing off behind i'm saying because like that band was so influential. I think one of my friends' bands actually covered the, the title track song at a show. <laughs> nice. And I was so excited about it. And everybody was like, the fuck are they doing? I'm just <laughs> like, just accept it. <laughs> just accept Breaking Benjamin. Like, it's cool. You don't mm-hmm. have to be like, cool guy. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, just Breaking Benjamin's tight. It's right. okay to say. Right. Yeah, I feel like there's such a weird thing when it comes to like covering different like songs in the heavy music world. Like some people are like super about it. And then some people are like, what the fuck is going on? Cause I think like, yeah. it's you know, I, like my band is guilty of this. So we've covered hate breed and like so many bands have like covered hate breed. Oh, yeah. We cover like, hate breed still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like the, the times where I think about bands who have covered like, a Nickelback song like for an intro or like someone else does like Avenged Sevenfold or something like something that's like a little bit out there but it's like again it all connects through the heavy music spiderweb right like 
you start listening to it and you're like, are they really doing this? And then you're either going to be like, they're really fucking doing this. Or they're going to be like, wow, they're really doing this. Yeah. There's like no in between with it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a hot or cold thing. There's no like lukewarmness when it comes to that. Either you're mm. mega stoked or you're like, oh, okay, well, we will, oh. you know, endure this, I guess. <laughs> Literally, that's, there's no in between with it. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm... I'm I think that sets a lot of like kind of bare, um, you know, a lot of connection points that we can kind of reference as we kind of get into the rest of this episode. Um, so Minefield, like you said, is the the main project that that you're a part of. Um, band's been around for like a long, long time. Like, again, the, the first time that I heard about you guys was just off this new release. But going back, uh, I guess like the first thing that I saw that was put out was like into 2016. So yeah. just talk, talk to me about like the formation of the band and uh you know how you guys have gone through the years because you know some bands like come up and then they come down and so it's it's cool Mm -hmm. to see bands who have you know been around the block a a number of times yeah i think we released our first single in i think it was on thanksgiving day in 2015 oh and (laughs) it was the mental torment track it's on that's on perpetual suffering like the ep we have Mm -hmm. but that was like our first track we actually released and then we would put out the ep like i think in june of 2016 something like that Mm -hmm. but we all we all been going to shows for like 10 15 years and we just kept being like i want to hear something that like i want to hear like like it was just one of those like like you just want to just go and fucking do it like like quit talking about it and just do it Mm -hmm. so we hit up one of our friends from a band called sack the city named kyle and he wasn't into like hardcore really so like the riffs were like limited on what we could do. Mm. And so we did that for like a year and it was okay. And then he eventually was like, I don't want to do this anymore, blah, blah, blah. So we were like, all right. So we got a new band and we just got our friend Matt to play guitar instead. Mm. And he wrote out with the band for a while. And then since then we've had a couple of guitar player changes, but uh, every, every time it's always been me Trevor and Colby in the band. Okay. I'm on vocals. Trevor's on drums. Colby's on bass. Whether it doesn't matter who the guitar player is, hmm. it's always been us three. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, we've never really like they used to do older bands. Like when I first started getting into the scene, hmm. so like I didn't really know them at that time, except for like maybe like a year or two after they started doing their like local band thing. Hmm. But um, it was probably like, like I said, twenty. 14 we started that that first band and it wasn't the best but like i said your first band's usually not going to be the best and if it is you know like round of applause like fucking well done i respect that i wish that was the same for me i can't say (laughs) yeah nine times out of ten it's it's usually like a learning experience and people are like you know i i I feel like whether it's someone's first band or tenth band like you know everyone starts at the exact same place and the amount of support and appreciation should be the same, you know, especially for the first band, because if, um, if people are not feeling like people give a fuck and, you know, they, they won't go into the second, third and fourth iteration, but I think, um, yeah. So, so all that level is the same, but, um, it's interesting how you said that the, the vocal, the bass and the drum department have always been the same three, three dudes but the guitars have kind of continually changed. And in my opinion, yeah. when it comes to like songwriting, like 
the guitar is usually, you know, here are the riffs. And then that's kind of where we start on like building a song. So have you found that like with the, the member changes over the years, has that like changed the, the style or have you guys been able to kind of like um, keep a flag in the ground of like, no, this is what we are trying to get after sound wise. I think we have like, for the most part, we have like our own sound. Like when we would do the guitar changes, like our main goal that we would tell them when we're writing, we're just like, we just want really fast shit and then slow it down so people can mosh. That's all, <laughs> that's all we asked for. Yeah. And like we would it's be like, recipe. listen, listen to Slayer, Power Trip, Sepultura, All Out War. And we would just tell our guitarists at the time, like to listen to that shit. And they've all like clicked in their own different ways. Cause the first sure. EP, Trevor, the, the drum the drummer wrote the EP. Mm, he wrote yeah. it all on guitar. He, and he, he had just picked up a guitar like a year or two before that. So we were just like, what? Right. <laughs> like, what are you what are you doing? How did you do this? Yeah. And so after that, we went from that sound to the Void of Illuminance sound to the self-titled EP to what we have now. So I feel like we've almost we've kept the sound but gone more towards like a a thrash and death metal kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where I feel like we're at with seclusion of sanity. At least that's where we're at. Cause I feel like I was listening to some podcast the other day of some United Kingdom guys and they're all just saying how like, there's like every little kind of thing that you would want in heavier music in the album. So I, that's mm -hmm. why I was like, Oh, that's pretty fucking cool to hear. Like, like thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And, and I think like, um, you know, the final storm was the first song that I heard from you guys. And like it again, it it checked so many boxes like all at once that I wasn't expecting that like a normal hardcore band usually does. It's like, OK, there's a fast section. There's like a moshy part. But there was like so many aspects where like I didn't expect you guys to go as deep as you did into some of those parts, like mm -hmm. super, super heavy, super, super fast like wailing uh guitar whammies and and, sh and all just like the really really fun shit um but yeah like i i've been listening to the record like front to back for the last couple of days and prep for the podcast and yeah there's like a lot of uh variety and uh good things to chew on in that it's not like 10 of the same minefield songs that are just you know a little yeah. different part here like i think you guys were really intentional about like having that one super heavy death metal song and then the one kind of like all right we're going to experiment a little bit more and have like yep. a lot of clean guitar and and things like that so i have yeah i feel like you guys made a really balanced record and and that's that such a goal. such a such a task to do that and we we spent so much fucking time on this album too like we spent a little bit before covid writing it and then all of covid just writing and recording it like periodically because mm -hmm. right. like we would write a song and like our guitarist at the time, he had his own studio. So he would just record it real quick, send it to us and then like so on. And we would just be like, maybe this here or this here. Mm. Oh, excuse me. But um, fuck, what were we saying? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was just, uh, you know, singing some praises to you when it comes to the um, the variety and the, the heavy music space. And I think that's like, oh yeah, that was the goal for the album. Mm hmm. And I think that's that what, that's is what, especially with the track list too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, and I think like you know every like every band is different. Some people just want to do like 
the New York hardcore sound. Some people just want to do beat down. Some people just want to do scram or fast power violence, whatever it is. But I personally love bands that like really mesh in like different things and don't set up these like barriers of like, well, we can't do this kind of part because that would make us this kind of band. It's like, I say exactly. We were just like, let's do what the fuck we want. Mm -hmm. Like, why not do it? Like, like, because if you're going to write music for other people, you're not going to enjoy what you're doing. Yep. And 100%. like, if you don't want to mosh to your own band, why, why put it out? Why even do it? <laughs> like, if you don't, if you don't care what you're writing and you're just doing it for other people, it's just, there's no point. Right. Now there needs to be a, a photo of your face. And then the words, if you want to mosh to your band, don't write it <laughs> as like a motivational poster. <laughs> I buy that shit in a heartbeat and frame it up right your here. Own band, don't write it. <laughs> Someone please put that on a shirt. Um, if you want to fucking write your own shit and you want to mosh to it. Usually people are going to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some obviously going to be haters, but most of the time you're going to have some sort of little fan base to start off and then just expand from there. Right. A hundred percent. Um, you were, you're mentioning at the top of the episode on how you wrote the final storm and you guys were like, this is going to be the single. Um, I've always been interested on how bands uh, navigate through picking singles for like a full record and, you know, figuring out the rollout of like, um, you know, this, this single is going to like, you know, check these boxes, but then we're also going to showcase we're going. Cause I think the second single you guys yeah. did was like there, those two songs are vastly different. So, so tell me yeah. about like your, um, you know, like obviously like if if the entire band was here there would be like a lot of different opinions but wh wh where do you where does your mind go with that as in like choosing what song to do for the single and like like solidifying that yeah i think it's because one we wrote it whenever there was a hurricane happening in florida and so i figured i'll just write it about some crazy storm ending humanity and once we wrote it we were like this has like a lot of different aspects in it and we could do some really cool shit with the music video too. That was one thing we thought about was the music video. And then, like you said, there's just so many different kinds of elements in that song. Like you've got blast beats, you've got fast riffs, you've got breakdowns, you've got fucking whammies. And I felt that since that's always what we're trying to do is just like embody all of those things. Mm -hmm. I, I, why not be the single? And then I figured with the second song, do a softer song. Because like the rest of the album after that is like it's just like ass beat and shit. But like we wanted to have a softer song, like a song that I didn't really want to like write lyrics that were like symbolic or like metaphorical. I just wanted to write them like straight up how I felt and like exactly what I was feeling when I wrote that song. And it was the second song is about one of my friends back in the day taking his own life. Mm. So it was, like I said, I wanted to get straight to the point. I didn't want to do any metaphorical stuff or symbolism, just how I felt. And then that's another thing with the two songs. Like the first one had a lot of symbolism and metaphors and stuff like that. While this one was just really straightforward to the point of how I feel about it. Yeah. And how I hope other people probably feel and can relate to it, at least somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think like, you know, like you're saying with the two songs, like the contrast between uh, mu like musically, but also like lyrically, like, you know, 
I, I feel like that's a, a good example of like showcasing, not like, is this the same song that I heard, you know, two weeks ago or a month ago, whenever exactly. the singles come out. So yeah, that's, that's a great move uh, on that point. Um, so yeah, I, I, I noticed that in, um, in the, in the final storm and extinction, there's like definitely a lot of themes around, and I don't know if, you know, this is just what I'm picking up on is like that, like storm aspect, like, like, I don't know if there's like some nods to like end of the world, global warming kind of shit. So, um, you know, just overall, like what are the, the main themes that you wanted to write lyrically and, uh, what are the ones that you're, I guess, most proud of on how they all came together? Um, all the songs are like different, but not at the same time. It's, it's weird saying that, but the themes that I wrote about mostly were mental health, um, Thoughts about taking my own life. Um, friend that took his own life. And then I wanted to have some like more symbolic stuff like the, the final storm and like extinction, the world ending. Just because I feel like it just seems like the world is in such a shitty place nowadays mm. that it's only inevitable to happen. Mm. So that's why I always am just thinking about the end as sad as that sounds just thinking about like what the end of the world would be like. And mm. if I could embody that in music, what it would sound like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, I, and yeah, I think the, the pandemic has been like a tip of the iceberg to like maybe the reality of, you know, different things, whether it's global warming or anything like that. Like it's, it's scary to see all like these graphics. So like if our climate went up this many percent, it's okay. But if it goes up one more than that, we're fucked. So we are going to die. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's a scary thought. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's it could happen just like that, just like COVID did. Mm -hmm. With just like that, our everybody's lives changed forever, right? For a year and a half, and who knows what could happen eventually like that? Like, if, whether it be some storm or a crazy meteorite shower or just something like that. Yeah, it's. That's the scary thing is it's possible. Right. And I guess like uh, how you were saying, like, I guess where you are geographically in Florida, like you guys must have, um, that's like, you know, like that's one of the, the things about living there is that like, you know, hurricanes and all those things are like just yeah. that much more prevalent. Like that is not a thing that happens here in Canada, at least like, you know, <laughs> in Western Canada specifically, like. Uh, growing up in, in Winnipeg, which is like the, the cent, the center of Canada, like in the prairies, like there would sometimes be, yeah, it'd be cold as fuck. So there would be like more of that, just constant, like that kind of, um, climatal dilemma. But, um, you know, if, if the, the only thing they would have that's similar to you on that level would be like, we'd have like tornadoes, but they would nine times out, out of 10 be like out in someone's farm, not like. Oh, this is coming. Yeah, ours would just be watches. Line. We never have tornadoes. It's always just tornado watch for this area, and like it's never going to happen. Like <laughs> it's very, 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 very rare that a tornado happens in Florida. Mm, right. It, it's That's mainly... thing with the the music video we did for that. I wanted to have like a Florida vibe, mm. and I think when I got the end result of the video, like the final version of it, I was like, "Yes, <laughs> this is what I wanted to do." This gives off extreme Florida vibes. I know bands like to kind of rep where they're from in a way. Mm. And I feel like this is our song of kind of doing that because we have to deal with hurricanes and shit. So it's a real <laughs> thing. But it's also a metaphorical thing at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Yeah, I was going to ask, like, because there's a, a couple, like, locations that you shot for that music video. But the one that, like, is most most eye-catching to me is, like, the fact that there's all these, like, palm trees and leaves <laughs> and shit. I'm like, this is as Florida as it gets. So, like. That like, was the goal. And I think we, we got that one on the head. Like, when we told the director to, how we wanted it done, he was like, I think I can make this work. I was like, let's fucking go, man. So, in Florida, do they do they just have like palm bushes that you can set up a drum set and play in, or do you did you have to like lay out a couple things to to make it look cool he, for the video? It's part because he lives like in the middle of the woods, oh, has like a okay. nice two story house and like a little shed area, and like we shot every portion of the song or the video at his house, ah, like outside of his house, mm-hmm. and the <laughs> the coolest thing was whenever the fire shit was happening. Mm-hmm. He just had one of his homies, like with a like a plastic cup with gasoline, just like ducking under the camera, just throwing gasoline on the fire, so it would just like erupt, and we're just like trying not to get like our eyebrows burnt off and shit. Yeah, man. <laughs> I uh, I can't say who, the but there's a a band within the w- within the Western Canada sphere that I know that did a uh, a music video that has some uh, fire aspect, and I was talking to the drummer, and I was like like how was that because i'm always intrigued like it always it <laughs> never not looks cool it's always looks super badass because it's that like thing where we register in our mind like this person is close to fire whether they're like this close or this close it's rock and dangerous roll. and rock and roll 100 <laughs> like i don't know like i don't think any like hardcore band as far as big as they get will do a lot of like the crazy um like pyrotechnic stuff that like most rock bands would do if they're playing an arena but like you know a band like code orange or knocked loose should definitely have fire shooting up when they're playing the, oh my god you know please big breakdown. Like, that would be so sick <laughs> some like wwe or like aew shit get some pyro going on stage yeah like super mad max style like you know it's shooting out of isaac's guitar or something like that like <laughs> hey, you can't tell me that everybody would not be like that's fucking insane <laughs> Yeah, especially being like, I remember seeing this band play to like 10 people in a community center. And now you're shooting fire out of your guitar. Like, let's Dude, go. Knock the loose. I remember our our first band, the one I was telling you about, mm. we played in a backyard with Knock Loose in like 2015. Mm. And they didn't even get to play because the cops shut it down. But I remember <laughs> like talking to Brian. He probably has no idea who the fuck I am now. But I remember talking to him and he's guy, he was like, you guys are really cool. I was like, thanks, man. And then we bought their music and I was like, oh, this shit's kind of cool. And then to see them from that and then to just completely blow up. Yeah. Like they're going on tour with fucking Gojira now. Is that, is that happening? Yes. (laughs) Okay. It's like, see that, that's insane to me. Mm -hmm. Cause like from where they started to where they are now and like such, not like a short time, but I don't know how to phrase it. Like they put their work in. Yes, absolutely. Like, you know, I think a lot of bands will get lost in the sauce of like they need to put out this killer demo and then they expect to play like a giant hardcore fest. Um, and, and sometimes that does happen and that's really cool to see at times. But yeah. like it's not I don't want to say gone are the days because I still believe that getting in front of people like and, you know, taking your band outside of your local circle, whether that's you know, your, your province or state or, you know, even just your yeah. region um, is, yeah, it's super important because I think 
I think people make a connection with a band when they're like, oh yeah, you came to my, my hometown and you played for like 30 kids. And then, you know, you come back and you play for double that. And then, you know, it builds on, on itself. So on um, a little snowball effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, I don't think every band, like it, it's not a guarantee to even do that. Right. Like every band could no. do that for years and years and years. Um, You'll be lucky. You gotta yes. have gotta have all the right connections, the right music, know the right people. And it's just a, a culmination of so many different things that have to go into it. Mm-hmm. So like, if you get to that spot, like, like well fucking done because mm-hmm. that's impressive, honestly. Yeah, and, yeah, and I think like, um, yeah, it, it's such a multi layered thing because I think, you know, some bands work their asses off 365 days of the year go on tour as much as they can, but maybe their music genre is just not the most popular thing at the time. And I think, yeah. you know, since we're using Knocked Loose as, as an example, I think just the metal core and the kind of beat down space that they kind of started yeah. in was like, it was just prime time for them to kind of shoot, shoot off to the stars. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so to get back to, to you, we were talking about the final storm music video I, I love that you were mentioning on like it was all shot in one location, but it's just like we were looking this way and then we turned this way and we're in a new location. <laughs> Literally, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. And it was cold as fuck too. I remember that. Oh. It was like early February. I know you're like Florida cold. Oh, no, it, it was <laughs> 40 degrees is cold for us. Yeah. And we were getting soaking wet for that video too with fans blowing in our faces. And I'm pretty sure like two of us got sick after that, but we were just like, worth it fuck it yeah well i i think you know to your credit i think wherever you live your body is like conditioned to that climate right um yes but i know like i'll, I'll plug my friend trenton who is a you know in infiltrate from from down in florida uh originally Duval? yes of course the Good fucking dude. guy yeah great dude um mosh mutant as well he can uh hold his own um <laughs> straight up i remember when he moved to florida and i kept seeing him at shows and he was just mosh heart shit i was like who is this guy right um but you know him growing up in like minneapolis and now living down there like i think i think the first time that he went down there i was just hearing through like mutual friends him like going into like going to the beach on in like february and like i don't know about you but like maybe that's not something that you would jump at the chance to go to no that's too cold Right. But I think when you grow up in like a climate like Minneapolis, which is similar to where I grew up, like just eight hours north of that, um, you know, you're just like, oh, I'm down in Florida and it's not snowing. Like, sign me up for anything. Let's party. <laughs> yeah, straight up. I'm, I'm you sure got, like... You got accustomed to the climate pretty quickly too. Yes. Yeah. So I, I can't even say that he would do that. Um, like, Trent's crazy. So he might just like jump into the into the, the ocean no matter what. But I think, you know, like, like, like I was saying before, Probably. people get, <laughs> people get accustomed to that. So I think if the people that are coming down to Florida for like FYA Fest from, if they live in like Alaska, they're like, of course I'm going to jump in, in the ocean. But anyone oh, yeah. in, in the, in the local sphere is like, it's January. There's no way I'm doing that. That's like when we went on tour in February with Lord AD it, and it was so cold up North <laughs> and it was, I think the coldest place we hit was chicago and detroit and it was like 10 degrees with like wind chills of like zero and i'm just like how do people live in this shit dude yeah it's like the southern boys were not doing good up there 
we yeah. were struggling. I had to put on like three pairs of socks, like two pairs of pants. Honestly, like, you know, speaking as someone that has grown up in Canada and has has to deal with like temperatures like that, like for four to six months out of the year, it the the game is just layers. It's it's about it's not about getting one good warm jacket. It's about I got my main socks, I got the long socks, and then I got the wool socks. And then I got the long underwear, main underwear, um, and then the pants. Like you just have to layer up because then you being like a Michelin man walking around, like that's the best case scenario. Because then you're not you don't feel shit for wind. <laughs> you don't feel anything. Just give yeah. me like a ski mask to go with it. Yeah. And I'll be like, I'm so ready for the north now. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, dude. Like some people up here will like um, bike all year round to work. So they'll bike in the summertime. They'll bike in the wintertime. They'll get the fat ass tires and just like, you know, post their photos of them just cut like ice all in the beard and all that. Like it's it it's it's a different kind of breed of people. Respect, honestly, <laughs> respect because can't do that shit. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, if you got I'm, to. You got to. <laughs> But yeah. like, I would highly be against it. Right. Um, so as far as things Minefield concerned, you guys put out the record just a, a couple, I guess, weeks ago, as far as the time of recording this. Uh, but just before that, you guys played your first show back um, with yeah. Loving and Fear in um, in Atlanta. So oh, second one. Oh, second one. Okay. Excuse me. Um, so with you know, such a long time for everyone not to being able to play shows and you getting to get two under your belt, like pretty, really pretty, pretty quickly. Um, how, like, how's that return for you been on a, on an emotional level, but just like, um, you know, what you're seeing in, um, in the hardcore scene now, I'm, I'm, I'm really fat. I'm really curious on that end. It's, it's almost like getting back into the hardcore scene again. Cause I remember, okay. Our first show back was with uh, Madball in Tampa. That was like late May. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. I forgot that they were just like was, going all over and just, you know, almost giving everyone's then, <laughs> like scenes of first show. <laughs> Literally, there. But like I said, I was like, someone's got to break the ice and they fucking did it. Mm-hmm. Right. And like I said, um, that show in Tampa, it's got a 400 cap venue and it was sold out. And so like, that was probably like, the biggest show that we played and just standing on stage before like like sound checking and like looking out of the crowd i was like kind of nervous <laughs> <laughs> and i haven't felt that way in a very long time sure. so to have that that freshness come back is such a cool feeling and then to play in atlanta for our first time with a fucking awesome lineup with living in fear service satisfied backslide Strangle You, um, I think, was also Iron Law, that. Strangle You. Just so many fucking cool-ass cool ass bands. And that was a very, very fun time. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, it's funny that you, you say that because Madball, I think, is just that OG band that's like, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get it started, right? Like, you know, yep. and then you know, it's funny that you know, we won't go down the rabbit hole of like the whole like New York show and then like all that kind of shit. Cause <laughs> you know, that's just a black hole, but it was funny how, again, they kind of broke the ice and kind of showed like, Hey, this is how we can do things. And now they're just like doing things in Florida. And like, I, I know my friends in Ballista are playing um, with them or doing a bunch of the Texas dates and just like, 
it's really cool to see cool them band. just like, you know, kind of coming into the scene and almost like if it was just a local thing, it might, it you know, it would still be special, but because it's like Madball coming to town and like putting on for these like yep. local bands, I think that's really, really cool of them to do that. And like tomorrow we're playing with Madball again. Right. Yeah. I was, I was kind of <laughs> confused when you brought it up. Cause I was like, did that already happen or is that happening? I'm so yeah, it's tomorrow, happening twice. All local bands, all <laughs> local bands, except for Madball. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah. Um, what uh yeah so yeah it, it's funny how you're saying on how you're looking out and just like the i think i think for me like i've been playing in bands for a long long time and i think i always get nervous for every show but it's like it's a mix of nervousness and just anticipation to actually get to it right yeah the anticipation so, yeah but i i think there might be more nervousness being poured into that mixture because you know it's like oh i i haven't done this in a year and a half like Am I rusty? I don't know. Like we've been practicing all week. I gotta fuck up. Yep. (laughs) Um. What What are you seeing? Like, you know, as far as the um, not like the demographic, but like, what are the? Are you seeing like any changes in like the local uh, sphere with like either certain people coming to show that you haven't like recognized before, or how people are reacting to bands now? Like, what has been like the local like, um change in that you know long gap that that ever that everyone's had i feel like in that year and a half that we didn't do anything i feel like it's gonna sound goofy but like hardcore made its way to tiktok and that that (laughs) ultimately gave hardcore a lot of new fans so i feel like a lot of these people that are going to these shows that are happening now are all just brand new people which is really fucking cool Mm. and so you accredit uh, a new wave of kids coming into hardcore through through TikTok. Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> TikTok's such a huge thing, and like, like I said, there's been so many new kids and new faces at shows that I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a it's obvious that like they're newer, but at the same time, like you can see like the freshness on their face of like what they're witnessing and like right. how they're taking it in, and you can just tell like they're having a good time and it's their first hardcore show and it's a good experience. And that's ultimately what's going to keep pushing hardcore music to the forefront and people keep listening to it and it getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Like the someone's first experience for anything is like, so, so crucial. That could be anything from like, yo, go check out this restaurant. And you know, maybe it's like, Oh, the food is a little whack or you have some bad service. Like first impressions. First impressions. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I can vividly remember some of the very first hardcore shows that, um, you know, one in particular, it was some bands like last show. And, um, Mm. I remember I was leaving and they were like trying to get rid of all the merch that they had. And, uh, he was like, did you buy a shirt? I was like, Oh, I did. I did buy a shirt. And then he threw another shirt into my car. He's like, now you have two shirts. <laughs> and like, as, as funny and silly as that is, I think it's like those moments can really stick with someone who's like 19 years old and they found, uh, you know, uh, a, a super crazy mosh clip on TikTok, And then they went to some show and they like, again, they have some kind of thing that sticks with them that shows that hardcore is different than the other things in our society. Like we make it different because of what we value and what we uphold. So like as silly as it sounds, I feel like 
people got like steered towards hardcore just from the harm's way running a man video for eight five six and all the different spoofs that people put on it right because i saw like on sunny's page it's like over like a million views mm -hmm. or something like that and so as funny as that video is with different stuff on it people were like i wonder what this actual video is and that's what led them to go and view it mm -hmm. and then new fans right yeah and i, I think that's it's such a not a fine line. things that'll always bring people into it yeah i think like some people um can quickly shut down like oh you're making fun of me by like turning this like mosh clip or like something into a meme but like historically speaking memes are like one of the most interacted uh with pieces <laughs> of content you know whether you're in hardcore or anything else in the world so like it's again I don't know, to, to kind of reference where you said it, like it kind of breaks the ice um, of like, you don't like sit down with someone and you're like, here's all the crucial records that you need to listen to. Like yeah. you need those like, you know, uh, really funny and eye-catching relatable moments um, to kind of, again, make a connection point. And then, you know, someone might uh, be like, okay, like why, why is this running guy so jacked? Oh, this, this <laughs> music sounds super jacked. So like, like, let's go. Just simple questions that will lead them to actually finding the band and potentially liking them. Yeah, I've been I've been like not reluctant, but I've just been like I have a scoped exposure TikTok account, but I just don't have any content on there yet. But I know if if you like pointed a like at a scoped exposure set on our channel and said like what what would be a TikTok that you could pull from it, I could usually pull one or two moments that are like really wild yeah. or like just funny like. I, there's a there's a punk band from up here in Vancouver called Baptists, and they were playing this festival. And they, there's a moment at the end of the set where the um, the venue had like a projector screen, just like just above where like the bands would play. And I think it like accidentally came down. And I think the the vocalist grabs it and starts throwing it. I'm like, oh, this is a recipe for disaster because there's going to be a a hefty bill to pay if uh, this thing gets damaged. But um. Like just little things like that, you know, TikTok's really great. It's just like, here's a pretty good piece of content. Let's just make it viral. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the video I posted the other day of a uh, dude from regulate doing the fucking backflip during their set. Right. Top five coolest things I've ever seen. And if that's on TikTok, <laughs> people are going to be like, what the fuck? And they're going right. to look up the band playing. It's just mm -hmm. simple things like that, that really keep music going, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as maybe, silly as a lot of it is. Yeah, but I think everything starts silly and then is like, oh, I actually see the attention on a platform like this. Like, yes. you know, I've talked about the it multiple times. To it. Yeah, for sure. Like, like every app has like a history of like how it started. Like TikTok was musically and that was like for lip syncing stuff. And now it's like TikTok is just essentially like like meme and promote anything. Yeah, exactly. And, um, promote anything or funny shit. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, bands, I remember when bands were like, we're not making a Facebook page. Like that's so cheesy. And like, why would we do that now? It's mainstream. Like, <laughs> fuck the mainstream. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think a lot of bands will find, will look for ways to say no to doing different things, whether it's, you know, jumping on a podcast or, you know, uh, even having their band filmed. But, um, I think bands that do play on, you know, realize that 
okay, doing this brings X number of new eyes to our ba- to our band potentially. Maybe we should do that. Mm-hmm. Like exposure is exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the end of the day, it all boils down to the same stuff. Um, exactly. So, so yeah. Um, one point, and I think this is, I think for most, um, for no, for most new bands, like it's kind of the book cover for anything that you do musically is like the album artwork. And I know that um, the album artwork for uh, Seclusions of um, of Sanity is like very, very eye-catching. So um, how did you guys go about doing, like drafting that up um, and having the different, um, you know, it's, it's very colorful, but it's also very like menacing in another way. Mm. So like, <laughs> yeah, tell me about like, how you guys did that and and what was the vibe that you wanted to set? Cause it is like, kind of like the first thing that you see before you even listen to a track. They say don't judge a book by its cover, but then sometimes you got to, right? (laughs) It's got to connect in some ways for sure. Yes. We got Andre Boisikov from Europe to do it. And he's done stuff like, like toxic Holocaust blistered. He's done a lot of different bands. I think he did, um, I'd have to go look at all of his bands that he's done, but he's done a shitload of bands. Mm -hmm. And I remember he was on, he was on the radar for us to do something. And then we asked the guy that did uh, human mouths uh, stuff, Marius Lewandowski. Mm -hmm. And we really wanted him to do it, but with how much our uh, bill or whatever it is that we were allowed to spend Mm. on album artwork, it was too expensive. And then, when we asked Andre how much he was, he was like half the price. I was like, oh, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. He was like, do you guys want gatefold? And I was just like, how much is that? And they told us, and I was like, we can't afford it. He was like, so just give us like front and back cover. And he's like, okay, like what do you guys want? And I just said, I'm going to send you the album and I'm going to send you all the lyrics. And I want you to just draw something up from listening to that alone and wow. listening to the lyrics. Okay. So I left it almost, we almost left it up to him. Like he would start drawing something and there was like two rough sketches that like he started that we were just like, eh. But then when we started this one, we were just like, okay, now that's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. So we we mostly left it up to him because like we trust the artist. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that's, that's really interesting to hear because I think in a very um, simple way that I can translate that to something that I do is like, Anytime I go get tattooed, like I have a rough idea of like what I want, but like nine times out of 10, like the artist will draw something that I'm like, well, this is way better than what I could have actually. Yep. (laughs) Literally same concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I I really like that idea of, you know, you guys really putting it in, in their hands. And and obviously like, you know, if you were going to tell him if you didn't like something that he was doing and you guys did that, like with the first couple sketches, but I think that's really cool that, um, you know, uh, my band is, you know, uh, going like we went through a very similar thing where we were like, Hey, this is what we want. Um, but like, obviously throw your own flair on it and it just becomes a beast of its own. So I, I love that, um, that, uh, that you guys really empowered your, your artist to do that. That's really sick. I've learned that if you let the artists have most of the freedom, they're going to do something way cooler usually. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Versus like, you're trying to, you know, interject I want this, this, this with this mixed in, and then a little bit of this, 
but not so much of this. You know, like, <laughs> but not so be much. Like, well, but a lot. Fuck? But not a lot. Like artists are going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, let me just do my thing. And like, Mm -hmm. when you let them do their thing, that's when they do the best stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I was, um, yeah, I was, again, it's like album artwork and the music really need to connect. So, you know, some bands, you know, sometimes it's it's a thing where bands can like, like throw something and you like traditionally it's like, oh, this is going to sound like this, but then it's like a little bit different. So Um, you know, but I think it can't just be too jarring. Sometimes I like someone will send me something like, yo, you got to listen to this. And I'm like, this is going to be death metal. And then it's like hardcore. And I'm very confused. (laughs) I'm like, I'll I'll eventually like warm up to it. Um, but like, again, like having things connected versus disconnected is always better. Obviously the initial reaction is always going to be very crucial. Mm -hmm. Um, did you guys do that as like a, a full vinyl as well? Yep, we got it on vinyl. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have the painting. It finally shipped over from Europe. It took oh. forever for that happen because of COVID and shit happening. Right. But we have like the original like painting now, which is really fucking cool. What are you guys uh, planning on doing with the OG painting? Is that something you're going to like keep under lock and key? Or are you trying to think of ways that, you know, that could become something? Maybe in the future. But right now we're holding on to that. Because that we have that, and we also have the hand-drawn Perpetual Suffering EP one that Mark Nava did mm. a while ago. And we, I don't know. It's just like a we haven't thought about giving it away or doing any kind of raffle for it or anything. But like I feel like eventually the right time will come where we can be okay with letting it go into the right hands. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But right now it's like a like this is what we like accomplished. Like this is our like masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Like this is like, that's, we're just very connected to the artwork. Cause we all are like big artwork guys. Like our bassist Colby, he does a bunch of graphic design, sign painting, all that kind of stuff. So we're all like really big into like the art aspect of it too. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, anything music wise, like there's so many levels of, the art when it comes to like a record, right? Like there's the musical art aspect, there's the album art, there's like, you know, the poetry or the lyrical kind of stuff that goes into it. So like, I think a true record is that is a true, like, you know, work of art, if you want to call it that is like, it's because all of the little layers of that are all done correctly. Like the lyrics are on point, the production and all the instrumentation is on point. And uh, yeah, yeah, I I feel like uh, you guys put out a really killer piece of art um you know with all those things being considered thanks man yeah um you you were mentioning uh when you guys were talking with uh, with the artist um you know you're comparing the two the the one guy you guys went with was half the price and then he asked if he, he could do if he, if you guys wanted um a, another level i i, I didn't just I didn't hold oh okay so that's like so like the vinyl shit when you open that shit up and it's just even more artwork like yeah, behind yeah. like the yeah. lyrics. So it's more like than that. just like the square of what you would see on um on Spotify or things like that. So you can't like open it up like a book. Right. Like if, if we wanted that, that would have been like an extra like like five, six hundred dollars. And we were just like, ah, our budget can't can't do that right now. So, right. So we'll go we'll stick with the front and back and they fucking killed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um as far as like things that are I'm going to let my dog out real quick because he's just been like patting my leg. Yeah, I need to let my dog out too. Hold on. <laughs> A double dog. Come on. Out. There you go. Go. 
It's okay. Go Come on. You want to go outside? Let's go. Anyone that's listening or watching is like, oh, should I let my dog out as well? <laughs> Reminder, let your dog go out. Yes, 100%. Don't let them piss in your room. <laughs> it's the most angering thing. Yeah, not during the podcast. That's the worst thing. Oh, I would rage. Um, yeah, so I want to go back just really quick, like very top of the episode you were mentioning, like, the band started forming off of like, we want to see this kind of sound in our scene. Is there like a certain sound within like the Jacksonville, like Florida area that, um, that, that is like, not like more popular, but it's just like, um, it's expected almost when a new band pops up, it's like, Oh, it's going to sound like this. Cause you know, you can look at different scenes and be like, Oh yeah. Texas has a lot of crossover bands. Like yeah, uh, California has a lot of like really like, you know, punk hardcore bands or things like that. So I'm I, like Florida is, has always been that state where I'm not really sure of where it lands in that scale or in Jacksonville, at least it's a mix of like everything. Mm, okay. Like you got punk, you got hardcore, you got death core, you got death metal, you got beat down, um, you got the crossover section. Like there's literally like every kind of band you would probably want to see in florida mm. whatever your music taste is jacksonville will have something for you right and and at the time when minefield was starting um was that variety like not there and now like having the band go on as long as you guys have like have you seen more of like bands that you you did originally want to see um while you guys were starting out if that makes sense i haven't seen like like any more crossover bands in Jax, if that's what you mean. Mm, yeah. But around when we were starting, it was mostly just like punk hardcore stuff or like deathcore. No in between, gotcha. really. Yeah. <laughs> and now there's a bunch of different, like, like I said, deathcore, death metal, hardcore punk, metal, crossover, like everything's now. But um, I think the main band that influenced us to want to have like, faster riffs in jacksonville was rhythm of fear mm, okay yeah, yeah really good band really good dudes and uh we just saw what they were doing and we were like not many bands in jacks are like fast riffs i was like why don't we just do some fast stuff but like have more breakdowns mm -hmm. i think a lot of um people avoid doing fast bands because when they think about how people are going to react at a at a show like the fast parts never get the same amount of love as like a beat down part or like a huge breakdown, exactly. you know, like it's like, you know, everyone like, it's like, you know, it's such a big ass to be like run around in a circle or like, you know, do something like that. Service in, people will be like, I don't want to do all that. Yeah. But if someone says two step, it's like, okay, yeah, no worries. <laughs> Literally though. Yeah. I That's think one of the few places I've seen circle pits is when I, when I've said it in Jacksonville, people do it. And then like South Florida, I've seen people circle pit. But when we go on tour and I tell people to circle pit, they're just like, no. <laughs> I'm like, all right, fair. <laughs> yeah. I think like all of those things, like I I, I think this uh, circle, a good circle pit is like so like 
magnificent to see live like especially when it breaks out super naturally and like it's mm-hmm. not like all right everybody this is the circle pit time and then yeah. it's almost like people are feeling like indebted or like oh, i guess we gotta like do that Slayer's playing yes or like uh when power trip would play something or like yeah it's it's really cool to see an entire room like start to you know like you were saying before like start to create its own hurricane in the room and people were just like yeah it's it's You're super fun like, to see. What? Absolutely. Um, it's always the coolest feeling. Because mm-hmm. I feel like when when there's a huge mosh part or like, you know, like I remember when Brian of Knocked Loose came, came on the podcast and, you know, they play to so many different crowds now. They'll play to the hardcore crowd, but then they'll play to like the Gojira crowd that doesn't know what any mosh moves are. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he was mentioning like, you know, telling people to jump at a show like that and seeing actually everyone jump is still such a cool feeling. Um, but just as cool to see an entire room erupt uh, for like a breakdown or everyone's two stepping. So, yeah, I I really hope to see that. Um, you know, you've gotten just a, a small taste with the, the two shows that you guys have played, and um, Canada is just like a little behind the ball still when it comes to like having those in effect but um yeah i'm just i'm just excited yeah. to see that explosiveness um at any show really you haven't been to a show back yet have you not at all i do have oh, um man. i don't know when the i'm gonna keep it under wraps still because i don't know if it will be out but there is a festival that i'm flying down to um in california that i'll be filming in the next little while nice. here so that'll be my first show back and um I'll, I'll tell you off air if in case this comes out before or after but it's uh it's pretty wild the the lineup so okay a nice big fest for your first show back i know that'll be good <laughs> yeah the the, the dude Riff overload yeah the dude that uh you know we that we connected with and uh he is helping me get down there he's like it's the venue that it's in is like don't wear pants like it's gonna be really really hot so i'm like <laughs> i'm probably just gonna get a cutoff for the um for the weekend and just wear gym shorts and that will be that'll be that so california Dude, shorts are the way like to go. july so <laughs> telling you gym shorts that's always what i'm rocking in florida people are wearing <laughs> jeans i'm just like no no too hot I'm, I'm a bigger dude i can't i can't wear pants like that i gotta wear gym shorts let it flow yeah what's um ha- has there ever been a time at a florida gig where it it can't like okay here's here's an interesting question are certain bands from certain areas um, not in the cards when it comes to like printing certain styles of merch because it's not the normal like um, weather? Like, like our band, our our bands from Florida um, against printing hoodies because no one wears a hoodie in Florida. That's that's what I'm nah. trying to get at. No, nah. no, nah, we print hoodies. <laughs> we we love printing hoodies. It's like our favorite thing to print. Mm-hmm. We print hoodies and probably gonna do uh, like gym shorts and hats soon, but I mean no, I've seen I've seen not every kind of merch, but like the normal pieces of merch that usually come out. Yeah, just come out whenever. Like it doesn't have to be just like short sleeve shirts or something like that. Right. Like we're we're definitely getting the hoodies out, but only when it's cold. We can't right. do that in the in the summertime because then no one's gonna buy it. Usually. Right. Yeah, it's still the same as as far as seasons, but you know, Endgame isn't gonna do like a like a full on winter jacket, you know, with our logo that's like four hundred dollars to buy or whatever. It no, is. <laughs> it's too much, and especially for that time of year too. It's just like ain't worth it. 
Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that's a. Uh... <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just funny like to to think about that. Um, well, Nick, we're kind of getting to the tail end of the episode here. Uh, a couple other questions uh, before we wrap up. Um, what is the thing that you are hoping that Mindfield can do kind of with this latest release? I think with it, any release, it's always like that small step up, um, you know, obviously being signed to, to Bullet Tooth now and having a lot of your releases come out on like Lamb Goat and some of those bigger networks to have it give it more yeah. push. Um, what's like the number one bucket list thing that you want to do off of that, um, I guess, like next launching point? Me personally, I just want us to get like, I just want us to go back on tour, maybe get like a cool festival here and there. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty much what we're just going for is just play shows, get back to touring, keep getting our name out there and just see what happens. Yeah. Love that. All we can do. Yeah. Because then if we get our expectations too high and it doesn't happen, then we're going to be fucking bummed. So we've learned, uh, we've learned to just hope for the best. Yes. Expect the worst, hope for the best, and just fucking keep going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like you guys have, uh, like I was saying at the beginning of the episode, you've, you've been around the block to kind of know that the, you know, uh, hardcore is a marathon, not a sprint. And uh, you guys seem well yeah. suited for that. So, um, dude, this has been really, really fun. Um, the last portion of the yeah. podcast that uh, I always ask my guests to kind of end on is a favorite mosh story that you would like to share. So that's literally anything that's the first thing to your mind, uh, whether that like me moshing or anybody moshing, literally anything. So it could be you punching someone, you getting punched, you seeing your friend punch someone, whatever's the first thing to your mind. And it doesn't need to be punching. Got... It could be <laughs> funny. It could be gruesome, whatever. I got two. One, <laughs> one is, uh, it was the first night of tour with by force. I think we were in North Carolina. And literally the first night of tour, our merch guy just gets punched square in the face and was just like, I'm done. I'm walking away. <laughs> and just the fact that it was the first show of tour that happened to him, I, I thought that was fucking hilarious. I have it on video too. Oh. But he ate that shit. I was like, well done. And then the other favorite mob store that I had that I remember seeing in person, <laughs> I won't let him live it down, is when I saw at FYA Fest a couple years ago, Jukai was playing okay. and Lumpy was moshing. <laughs> and he literally was just haymakers across the pit during Jukai and just knocking people on their asses. And I was just like, oh my God. But it was just an insane sight to see because he was just not even moshing, just swinging on people right. in the pit. And I was just like, God damn. <laughs> It was like, almost was, like a machine like, so gone wrong, and it's like, don't hit the arm, and it's just like, poof. Dude, straight up, just connecting. Not not just like barely connecting, but like connecting, too. Mm. I'm just like, I'm so glad it's not me. <laughs> That's like in those, um, uh, like, some of those video games when you get, like, a sledgehammer kind of weapon, and, like, the charge-up is, like, super long versus, like, a really quick <laughs> sword. It's just like his arm. It's just like, the. Just a club. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. Very caveman for sure. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. Yeah. I, I love that. I, and, you know, Lumpy's great friend of the show. He's been on here twice. So, you know, I'll. Good dude. Uh, good dude. Good dude. Absolutely. Um, well, Nick, this has been really, really fun. Um, again, I think the scoped Florida connection is pretty real. I've had a lot of 
good friends from there and made a lot of new ones like yourself. Um, if there's anything that you want to send the people off with, shout out, plug, um, whatever you got, the floor is yours. Well, new album out. Came out a couple weeks ago, Exclusion of Sanity, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, all the streaming services. Um, show tomorrow with Madball, but this won't come out until after that. <laughs> but uh, if you see us on a show this summer, come see us. And bands I want to shout out are Living in Fear, of course. Of course. Um, Satisfied, Strangle You, Backslide, Surus. Um, band called Play Gears. Okay. I really fuck with that band. Play Gears is tight. Creeping Death. And shout out to Dying Wish with that new song they just put out. Just very, very excited so for that So Kill band. Switch, and it sounds so good. Mm -hmm. Such a good mixture of like their own sound plus Kill Switch. When I heard that shit, it brought me back. I was like, this is fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. And then uh, shout out Rhythm of Fear. I always, always got to shout out Rhythm of Fear. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's... Uh, pretty much it yeah killer list of of great bands um and yeah nothing but love for uh to you and minefield and yeah highly recommend if you like riffs and just crushing uh tone and uh, <laughs> breakdowns highly recommend you check out the album um dude thank you so much for coming on this has been really fun thank you for having me it was fun chatting <laughs> <laughs>